look in our Bibles at James chapter 1, and uh, we're going to look at verse 2. It says here, For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, or a mature man, and able also to bridle the whole body. The NIV says, anyone who, uh, we stumble in many ways, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, and able to keep the whole body in check. That's something, isn't it? And they said, now look, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body, and we have these great big ships out on the sea, and they're driven of fierce winds, and yet they're turned with a very small helm wherever the captain or the governor listeth. And we reported to you last week that your tongue is the steering wheel of your life. So if you're not enjoying the way that your life is going, then change your direction by changing the words that you are speaking. Amen? And we also looked at Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 20. So let's look at that as well. Proverbs the 18th chapter and the 20th verse and verse 21. Proverbs 18, verse 20 says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with what? With the fruit of his mouth. In other words, your life is going to be satisfied by the words that you speak on a regular basis. Not just talking about your belly being satisfied. We're talking about your entire life. So words are extremely important. A man's belly is going to be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase now of his lips, he shall be filled. And then in verse 21, let's read this together, please. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Does it matter what we say? Yes. Well, how much does it matter? It's a matter of life and death. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. Speak to us. Help us become conscious of the words we speak on a regular basis. And we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you a little while this morning on get a grip on your lip. Look at your neighbor and say, get a grip on your lip. Now point to yourself and say this, get a grip on your lip. Junior high is dismissed. Y'all have a great time. Get a grip. On what? On your lip. Now, you know, this isn't something that uh, I just came up with or, you know, my mentors that have taught me over the years came up with. Your words are absolutely vital. You know, I, I want to encourage you to, to read the book of Proverbs and just look at how many references there are in the Word of God to your words. Amen. Why do I want to talk to you on getting a grip on your lip? Here's why. Because words carry the power of life and death. Words are power-packed. Words bless or curse. They tear up or they, they build up or they tear down. The words that we speak on a regular basis are so very vital. You know, words have healing in them. 
When you are speaking the word of God, you are speaking the life of God. And when you are speaking the life of God, the healing power of God goes and ministers to every part of your body. I want us to take just a a bird's eye view at several scriptures this morning about what the Bible says about your words and our words. Amen. Are you ready? Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, and I'm going to ask uh, those that are up there to go ahead and try to keep up with me. First of all, Proverbs 16, 24, it says this, that words have the power to bring sweetness into our souls. Look at this. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb. You can keep the scripture up. How many of you like honey? Well, somebody says, I don't eat honey. How many of you like sweet things? If you don't like sweet things, we're going to pray for you right now. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. And what are they? They are sweet to the soul. Sweet to the mind. Sweet to the will. Sweet to your emotional life. Pleasant words. And then it says, and health to your bones. The Amplified says, they are healing to your bodies. Does God's Word have the capacity to heal? I like what Proverbs 4 verse 20 says. He said, my son, attend to my words. Amen. In other words, put my word first place in your life. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Keep my words in the midst of your heart. Now why? For they, the word of the Lord, is life to those that find them, and the word of God is health to all your flesh. Health to all your flesh. The word health there in the Hebrew is medicine. God's word is medicinal. It's sweet to the soul. It's health to the whole body. It's health to your knees. It's health to your pancreas. It's health to your sinuses. It's health to your lower back. It's health to your toe. It's health to your liver. It is health to your heart. God's Word is healing to your entire body. And the neat thing about it, it's not just healing scriptures that are healing to your whole body. It's the whole word. You can get healed on the begats. So I encourage you, I advise you to surround yourself with the word. Get the word on CD. Get the word on DVD. Saturate yourself with the word of the living God. And the life that is in that word will bring sweetness to your soul. And it will bring healing to your entire body. What kind of words are you speaking over your body? What kind of words are you speaking over the temple of the Holy Ghost? Are you saying what God says? Or are you saying what your body feels? Are you saying what God says? Or are you saying what the doctors say? 
Are you saying what God says or are you saying what your feelings say? One thing about your feelings, one thing about medical reports, one thing about the flesh, they're all subject to change. I said they're subject to change. But my brothers and sisters, we're on a different channel. We're on the eternal channel. We're on the eternal network that is never subject to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's Word is forever settled in heaven. And with the fruit of your lips, you can establish His Word in the earth today. Glory to God. If your words have gotten out of line, bring them back in line. See, the good news is this. If your words have been out of line, you can get them back in line. How? By beginning to speak the right words. Job said this. He said, how forcible are right words. Friends, there's a right way to talk. And there's a wrong way to talk. The right way to talk is being in agreement with God. In Amos 3.3, it says this, How can two walk together unless there be some sort of an agreement? See, Brenda and I would never, ever have made it this long in our marriage, 30-some years, 33 years, if there hadn't been agreement. How do we show, how do we display our agreement? You do it with your words. Later today, we're going to be going out to eat something. I don't know where or when, but we'll talk about it on the way. And she may make a suggestion and I may disagree. Or I may make a suggestion and she disagrees. But I'll guarantee you, sooner or later, the belly always trumps disagreement. We're going to come into agreement one way or another. We cannot walk with God on the eternal network, on the channel of the unchanging Word of God, and speak words contrary to His system. Agree with God. If you don't understand what God's Word says about you, go in the Word and find out and set yourself in agreement with God. When God says you are more than a conqueror, thank God I am more than a conqueror. When God's Word says you're the head and not the tail, agree with it. You may feel like the scum of the earth, but God doesn't see you that way. And God doesn't call you that way. He says, you are blessed. Amen. Amen. Words bring sweetness to our souls and healing to our bodies. Look at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 14. Proverbs, the 12th chapter and the 14th verse. See, the problem with many Christians is not that they don't know the word. Some of them don't and they need to find out what the word says. But people know the word and they're inconsistent where their words are concerned. I mean, one day they're speaking blessing. One day they're speaking healing. One day they're speaking more than a conqueror. And the next day they're speaking things that bring them down. Well, I'll never make it. You know, I mean, after all, uh, you know, I grew up on the wrong side of the track. I'll never make it. I just don't know what I'm going to do. See, out of the same mouth... You cannot have the procedure of blessing and cursing. That's right. 
It's got to be one or the other. If we are going to have consistent results, we must be consistent where this word is concerned. In our heart and in our mouth. Amen. Proverbs 12, 14. Let's look at that. It says, A man shall be satisfied with good. With what? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Not by whatever the Lord decides to do, but by the fruit of your mouth. And the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto who? Unto him. So we see here that words produce fruit. Words produce fruit. Now we're in that neighborhood, so look at Proverbs 15 and verse 1. Proverbs 15, verse 1. It says, A soft answer, what does it turn away? But grievous words get something stirred up you don't need. Have you ever been in a position where you wanted to just say everything that was on your mind. Some of you maybe yesterday. But that's the devil's bait. He wants you to get angry so that he can get you in strife. And if he can get you in strife, then he can bring confusion and every evil work into your life. But those that get a grip on their lip, oh, somebody help me. Those that will get a grip on their lip and not let the Word of God slip, they're going to be those men and women who give the soft answer. And what is it going to turn away? It's going to turn away wrath. But grievous words, they get things stirred up. So your words can turn anger away. And our words can stir up strife. Look at Hebrews 11.3. Hebrews, the 11th chapter in the third verse. I mean, over and over again in the Word of God, you're going to see the importance of words. In Hebrews 11.3, it says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. God said, Let there be... Let there be, let there be, and there was. God said, God said, God said, and God saw. And so through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That is a powerful truth. He framed the entire universe with His Word. If you want your world to change, it's time to start framing your words according to His Word. And when you frame your word according to His Word, your world will change. What kind of a world do you want to live in? i tell you the kind of world I want to live in. I want to live in love. And so if I'm going to live in love, then I'm going to have to fill my words with love. Because right. my words are like containers. Amen. What kind of a world do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a world of peace? Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I'm not talking about the peace that the beauty contestants talk about. What's your goal in life? World peace. I got news for you. There ain't never going to be world peace. Until the Prince of Peace, <laughs> glory to God, comes back for the Bride of Christ. What kind of world do you want? Begin then to frame your words with words full of peace. Things according to the Word of God that say, you know, God didn't give me a spirit of fear. But a power and a love and of a sound mind. I am full of the peace of God that passes all understanding. I absolutely refuse to worry about that. I don't have a care. I am carefree. So it's through faith we understand that the, the very world we live in was framed by the Word of God. I submit to you that you can change the way you speak. And that when you change the way you speak, the landscape of your life will begin to look different. Now, friend, it may not look different overnight. But if you will stay with this Word and let this Word dwell in you richly and not cast away your confidence, because this Word has great recompense of reward. And as you are patiently enduring through difficult times, constantly, consistently speaking what God's Word says, I'm telling you, eventually that mountain will move. Eventually your life will begin to look different. You'll stop tossing and turning at night and you'll lay down and your sleep will be sweet. Hallelujah. I'm encouraging you. Begin to frame your world with the Word of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Look at Proverbs 6, verse 2. Proverbs 6, verse 2. God's Word in our hearts, in our lips, will change the very atmosphere of our life. In Proverbs 6, verse 2, it says this, that you are snared with what? It doesn't say you're snared because you're, you're heavy or you're skinny or you're white or you're black or you're Hispanic or you're Asian or you're Middle Eastern. No, you're not snared by any of those things. See, what brings a snare into our lives is the words that we speak on a regular basis. He says this, that we are taken captive with the words of our mouth. What do you say? We start changing what we're saying. Changing what we're declaring. And then we can go free. The next thing I want to talk to you about, words make mountains move and trees die. I said words make mountain moves and trees die. Jesus said, if you'll but say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up and be thou rooted from the very roots and cast into the sea, it will obey you. The master said that whoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he's going to have whatsoever he saith. Stop talking about your mountain and start talking to your mountain. Have you discovered that the more you talk about the mountain, the mountain seems to get bigger? But oh, when you start magnifying the Lord... God looks bigger. The mountain looks smaller. 
Friend, you've got a measure of mountain-moving faith on the inside of you. You've got a measure of the kind of faith that spoke the world into existence. Glory to God! Faith-filled words move mountains. Faith-filled words kill cancers. Faith-filled word kills AIDS. Faith-filled words change the very course of your life. I know they do. Because I was on my way to hell in the 70s. If I had died before I'd received Jesus, I'd have split hell wide open. And so would some of you. But oh, there came a day when we heard the gospel. And faith came by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And we confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. And immediately we were delivered, lock, stock, and barrel, from darkness and brought into the kingdom of God. Man, that's good news. If your words can change the course of your life, if your words, based on His Word, can bring you out of hell, hallelujah, And send you on your way to heaven. It can heal your body. It can pay your bills. It can get your grandbabies saved. Oh, come on, somebody. We're not talking about some namby-pamby little mind trip here. We're talking about the Word of the living God in our hearts and in our mouths. Saying, light be, hallelujah. Prosperity be. Healing be. Oh, glory. You were made in the image and likeness of God. You were made under the system of the Word. You were made to fuel your spirit with the Word of God. You were made to tank up and get full every day of the Word of God. And then begin to speak out what God says. Begin to declare and affirm and confess the Word of the living God. Ooh, glory. This word changed my life. And that's why I'm going to preach on it. As long as I have breath within me, I'm going to preach the eternal living word of the living God. And I'm not going to back off just because some flaky people have gone off the deep end in the area of faith. I tell you what, there's a real faith. There's a real move of the word of God. There is an authentic word of faith. And it's in your heart. And it's in your mouth. Amen. Words make mountain moves and trees die. Cancers die at the command of faith. Arthritis flees at the command of faith. Hepatitis dies at the command of faith. Hallelujah. We are talking about reality. This word is more real than the very chair you sit in. This word is more real than the very building we worship the Lord in. Hallelujah. Because the mother of all, hallelujah, the author of all is God. And God and His word are one. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, shatalabasanda. God's word has creative power in it. God's word will pay this building off. God's word will enable us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God's word will enable us, enable us to reach where we've not reached before. To go further than we've ever gone before. I believe it.
I trust the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, what about the devil, Pastor? Well, what about him? He's whooped. He's defeated. He's licking his wounds. He's heading for a bottomless pit. What do you mean, what about the devil? What about God? What about the name of Jesus? What about the blood of the Lamb? We're not here to magnify the devil. Yeah, he's doing some things. But our God is greater. God's work in Jesus was much greater than Satan's work in Adam. Hallelujah. And if ye be Christ, then you're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What about the devil? I'll tell you what about the devil. Look at Matthew 16, verse 19. Get a grip. Get a grip on your lip. Hallelujah. Matthew 16 and verse 19. Here's what the master said. He said in verse 19, And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So you and I have got keys. I've got keys in the back room there. I got a key to my 11-year-old Cadillac. Hallelujah. Let's keep on marching. Keep on going, boy. Sheba, ba, 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 ba. Hallelujah. I got keys to every door in this building. I got keys to my home. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, now look it. When you get born again, son, daughter, here's the keys. <laughs> I remember when I was 16 years old and I got my license, I barely passed it. I got a C minus, but oh, glory to God, Friday night was coming. Thank you. Hallelujah. My dad used to drive those old uh, Fury 3 cars. You know, it was a company car for Park Davis. He was a salesman for Park Davis. But Friday night came, I was waiting for the keys. Dad said, son, here's the keys. I said, thank you. Hallelujah. And I took the keys and I went. Amen. Well, when you got born again, your daddy. That's right. I said, your daddy. Yeah. Not your mama, your daddy. Yeah. Your daddy That's right. said, son, daughter, here's the keys. Here's the keys. Here's the word. The key of faith-filled words. Here's the key, the name of Jesus. Here's the key, the blood of the Lamb. Now take these keys. Take these keys, son. Take these keys, daughter. And bind the devil. Hold him bound. And loose me with the power of your words. I hope you're getting this today. I'm telling you, there's just a supercharge of strength going through the congregation this morning. Jesus said, and I'll give unto you. Yeah, you. Not just brother so-and-so. Not just prophet so-and-so. You have been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. And we're not just going to show case these keys. To show everybody, hey, we got keys. We got keys. Where's your keys? I got my keys. That don't do you no good. Put your keys on display for other Christians to see. No, these keys are to do kingdom business. So the son and daughter take the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now listen to this. And whatsoever.
forever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Anything that binds, anything that hinders, anything that tries to stop you from becoming all that God intended for you to become, the Bible says you can bind it. Any demonic force, any principality, any evil spirit that has caused you to do unclean things, you can bind it. And the word bind there means you can stop it. What Jesus is saying, take my keys and prohibit Satan to do what he's done in the past in your life. Hold him paralyzed. Come on, saints. Read that. And whatsoever I shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. You ready for a revelation? God's got your back. Amen. Whatever you do with these keys on earth, God says, I'm backing you up in heaven. Literally, in the Greek, it says this. Whatever you prohibit to be unlawful on the earth, whatever you declare to be unlawful, God says, I'm going to back you up in heaven and I'm going to declare it to be unlawful. You can bind devils. I said you can bind devils. But also you can lose God's power. Look at the rest of this verse. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Be honest with me today. Are there some things in your life that need to be bound? What are you waiting on? Are there some things in your life that need to be loosed? You need some finances? Loose them. You need some healing? Loose it. So words then have the power to bind and have the power to loose. Turn me to James chapter 5 verse 16 in the Amplified. James 5, verse 16 in the Amplified. What do words do? Words stop winds. And words stop waves. Jesus stood up in the midst of a mega storm. And what did he say? He said, peace, be still. What else do words do? Words eradicate and heal sick bodies. Words cause fevers to be dismissed. Words give us wisdom. Words give us knowledge. James 5.16. Are you ready? Go ahead and read. Go ahead. One, two, three. Go ahead. Now, notice the last part of this. Let's read it together. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. And what is it? Oh, this word is dynamic. And this word is full of dynamite. That's where they get the word dynamite from. 
dynamic in its power. God's Word in your heart and on your lips is a powerful thing. It makes tremendous power available. And it's dynamic and it's working. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Words impart grace. Words impart grace. Look at Ephesians 4.29. What words are we saying regularly? What are you saying about your job? What are you saying about your employer? That old skunk. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't had a raise in 15 years, I'll never get one. What are you saying? See, we need to stop and ask ourselves, are the words that we are speaking on a consistent basis, are they producing grace to the hearer? Or are they belittling the hearer? Are they blessing the hearer? Or are they bumming them out? Look at Ephesians 4.29. Let's look at this. He says, Now let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister, what? That it may minister grace. What kind of grace? God's grace. You see, most of us know the type of words that we should be speaking to and about others. We know we should be nice. We know that our words should be kind and should be edifying. We know we shouldn't gossip. But how many of you know that even though we know these things, we don't always do those things. And we need a friendly reminder from the Word of God to get a grip on our lip. We need to do what the psalmist said, Lord, set a watch over the words of my mouth. What words are we saying about others? And then, what words are we saying about ourselves? See, you and I, we've got the God-given privilege of acknowledging, of affirming, of appropriating, of confessing, and of laying claim to the riches of God's Word with words. You know, we're a blessed people. We have been blessed in so many different ways living in America. I like what 1 Corinthians chapter 1 5 says. I want you to turn there just for a moment. You know, you're a rich person by living in the United States. You are looked upon by the world 
even at poverty level, is rich. People in the Philippines, people all across the world look at America and they say, if I could just get there. When people come to this country, they have wow moments. And living in what some of you would consider on poverty level is the penthouse for them. You're a rich person. You're a rich person in your spirit. You're a rich person in your soul. Never take the blessings of God for granted. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 5. And I want to read it to you in a moment from the Truth New Testament. It says that in everything you are enriched by Him. In what? In all utterance and in all knowledge. Say this with me real strong. I am enriched because I live in Christ. And I have all utterance and I have all knowledge. What this is saying is we're rich. Now listen. The truth New Testament says this. Because you live in Christ, you have been blessed with all of His riches. He has blessed us in every conceivable way. Wow. And then He goes on to say, You know that all His riches are yours and that you are able to speak His many blessings over your life. God's given you the ability to speak His many blessings over your life. What does the Bible say about speaking? What does the Bible say about affirming? What does the Word say about declaring and confessing and professing God's Word? I'm telling you, it says a lot. You know something? God hears your words. Not only are the angels listening, but He's listening. You know that the Bible says that the very angels of God are sent forth to minister for you? Why? Because you're an heir of salvation? And then in Psalms it says that the angels of the Lord, they hearken, in other words, they pay attention, and they hearken with the intention to do or to go forth. They hearken to the voice of His Word. That's powerful. But even more powerful than the angels listening and the angels being dispatched to work on your behalf, your Father listens to you. Have you ever thought about this? He's got ears. Have you ever thought about this? He hears every word that you speak. Not just in church. Not just, oh, praise you, Lord. But those words you speak at Denny's. He has ears. He hears. You know, some people think, well, you know, this is America and bless God. I can say whatever I want 
Because you know what? In America, we have freedom of speech. And you might think you're getting away with some of the words that you speak. But we will be held accountable. Come on, saints. For every idle, inoperative word that we've ever spoken out of our mouths. God is listening. God sees it all. Let's look at some scriptures real quickly about that. You don't need to bring it up in the Blessed Tron. Now, not only is he listening, but he's listening for some particular things. Psalms 5, 3 says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. Psalm 17, 6, I have called upon you. You will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Psalm 54, 2 says, Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. So since God hears our words, do you suppose we should listen to our words as well? And we should make sure then that our words are consistent and in agreement with Him. Look with me at Malachi chapter 3. We're talking about getting a grip on your lip. Talking about getting in alignment with His Word. Now look at Malachi, the third chapter. We looked at that as we brought our tithes and offerings. But in the same context, it talks about some things. And I'm going to be looking at the New King James Version. It says, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. The King James says, your words have been stout against me. In verse 13 and verse 14 of Malachi chapter 3. Your words have been stout. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? And you have said, listen to this. It's useless to serve God. We come here, we bring our tithes, bless God. No one else lifts a finger. I'm called upon to go in the nursery. So-and-so never shows up. It's useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? See, the Lord listens to every word that we speak. Let's bring this home a little closer. When we say things like, it's just not worth it. Or how about this? You've prayed. You've fasted. You've done everything you know to do. And then you start complaining. So God, why is it taking so long? It's just not worth it. I sowed a big seed into heart for the house. What's happening here, Lord? God says, your words have been stout against me. I've been serving God all these years. And I've never been recognized by Pastor Mark. Lord, what's up? I'm not your master. 
If you're here to serve me, I've got news for you. You're misplacing your service because it's unto him and it's not unto me. I said it's unto him and it's not unto me. Well, dear God, he recognized December's babies. He recognized December's birthdays and here's January ain't saying a thing. And if I didn't like Pastor Mark so much, I'd stop tithing. God says, I heard your words. And your words, they've been harsh against me. See, when our words are stout against him, we don't give him anything to work with. And I've made a determination in my heart to watch every word that comes out of my mouth. You know what happens when you do? You become so keenly aware of things that you say that don't agree with him. I mean, yesterday, yesterday I'm, I'm at rallies minding my own stinking business. Rosy business, excuse me. I'm minding my own business. I've got the groceries ready to go to bring it to the woman of God. So that she can cook her man of God. A banquet of chicken and rice. And across the way, I immediately recognize this guy. Hey, how you doing? I said, yo, man, how are you? One of my basketball buddies. He says, you've been playing lately? I said, well, I was in Southern California. I played hoops with John. He said, I haven't seen you lately. We're going to come out tomorrow. Why don't you come play? And I said, you know what? I'm 60. I'm getting too old for that. (laughs) And don't misunderstand me. There's wisdom. When you get 60 years old, it's hard to keep up with the 20-year-olds. But you don't have to verbalize that you're getting old when the Bible says he's renewing your youth just like the eagle. He just looked at me and shook his head, man, he says, I know you are that outside shot. And I thought to myself, you know what? Stop talking old. Stop talking old. Stop saying old. People that talk old, you know what happens? They get old. You know what happens when they get old? They start talking about every pain. Well, I'm so worn out. I'm so tired. I can hardly get out of bed. Not me! You ladies that are on the verge of menopause, don't make it worse. Because you're going to be that way for a decade. I know there's challenges. I can't get up and down the court like I did when I was 16, but I'll tell you what, I can still get up and down. That's 
Don't think old. That's right. Don't talk old. That's right. That's right. Don't say, my time is done. It's time now for me to pass the baton to the younger generation. Well, I believe in passing the baton. But that passing of the baton is going to take me at least 25 years. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? I mean that. And you younger folks, don't think for one moment that God is finished with us middle-aged folks. Don't think for one moment that this is only a revival of the youth. There is a revival in the youth. There is a revival in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. But I'm telling you, bless God, there's a revival for the 90s. I don't know what it is. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Listen. The fact, saints, if you're a little older and you're still dreaming dreams, that means you're on the cutting edge of revival. Hallelujah. What we need is every saint, both old and young and middle-aged, on board, ready to do the will of God. Don't talk yourself into an early grave. Talk yourself into living long. Talk yourself into living strong. I probably heard one of the best messages that I've ever heard anyone preach on Thursday night in Woodland Hills. A young man by the name of Diego Mesa received a death sentence of kidney cancer. But it was years ago. And even though he went through the fire... And even though he went through the difficulties, he said, I made God my refuge. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I'm up here tonight preaching the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't let what medical medical science says about you to be a sentence of death. Don't let diabetes stop you. Just keep on moving. Keep on trucking. Keep on pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't let your words be harsh against Him. Ooh, glory to God. God's listening to our words. Thank you, Lord. Turn with me quickly to Malachi 3.16. God is listening for memorable words. He's writing a book with some of your words in them. That may not be such good news to some of you. But the good news is you can repent. And you can start speaking right words. In Malachi 3.16 it says, Then those who feared the Lord, what did they do? They spoke one to another. And the Lord listened And heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him. (laughs) Listen. For those who fear the Lord. Part of fearing the Lord is speaking right words. And those who meditate on his name. Are you 
are you here today to shout with me? Notice this. Here's the result of speaking right, right words. And they shall be mine. That's what the Lord says. On the day that I make them my jewels, I will spare them. As a man spares his own son and serves him. Oh, hallelujah. God looks at those who speak his word as his precious jewels. But not only that, he says, famine's not going to overtake you. What's going on in the world is not going to take you down. Because I will spare them and I will lift them. And I will bless those who get a grip on their lip. Amen. Is that okay for today? All right. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I realize it's 1211, but I don't really care. You go see one of these movies at the theaters, you sit sometimes for two hours. Amen. I preached me about, oh, maybe 40, 45 minutes, but it was good. And I didn't want to shortchange you today. I didn't want to give you three points and a little stinking poem from the Reader's Digest. I want to give you something that's going to stick to your ribs. You can speak right words. You can get a grip on your lip. It's so important what you put in your heart. Because what you put in your heart is like a deposit. And out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth is going to speak. The greatest words that I've ever spoken in my life was the invitation of Jesus Christ to be my Lord and to be my Savior. So you're here today, and as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you're here today and you want to receive Jesus, you want to make Him your Lord. He listens to those words. How do I know? Because He said this, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Have you confessed His Lordship over your life? Have you received Jesus as your Savior today? I want to pray with you. All of you that want to receive Him, I'm asking you all to raise your hand right now all over this auditorium.